Al Takrar Yulu Himar, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Arabic for repetition can even teach a donkey. Wow, a donkey. What could you teach a donkey? Uh, well, maybe to say Lots that of phrase. things with the miracle of repetition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is an idiomatic expression analogous to practice makes perfect. Uh, Red Bull sure practiced winning all the races last year. Time to see it if they can do it this year. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing great. I'm up in Kitsap County, Washington. Uh, if you're watching the video version of this on YouTube, which if it hits YouTube on this terrible hotel internet, I'll be really uh, uh, happy about that. Uh, but if you are, you can see this massive growler that I'll be drinking throughout the duration of this episode, oh, wow. which I got from a local... Is that uh, it, it says Ufda, which apparently is something that Vikings say while they're getting sloshed. So I'll be doing my best <laughs> impression of a Viking for... Much of this. Do we have any Vikings? We got Magnuson. We got Hulkenberg. It's true. Haas, Haas was once the Russians, and now it has been taken over by the Scandinavians. Uh, yes. Yeah, speaking of, I don't know, European descent, Rob Zachney is here. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a good half of European descent. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself... We've got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer episode assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. This year's primer episode is episode 216, if you'd like to go back and listen to that. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for those patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, Head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What's going on in Patreon land this month, Danny? Uh, I believe the next Patreon exclusive podcast we're going to do is going to be Drive to Survive Season 5. Uh, we should probably do that next week because while I am in Washington at the moment on a work trip, I am on a, a family road trip for the next episodes, <laughs> the later episodes of this month. So you get to hear me uh, talking from many different hotel rooms around America. Um but uh, massive thanks to all of our uh, uh, amazing patrons, especially the folks who signed up uh, in the past couple of uh, days as well. Welcome. Uh, I also wanted to mention that we are going to annual, uh, we've just turned on annual subscriptions over on Patreon, which has sort of become the standard there now, which is now that when you sign up, you get billed on the day you were signed up, um, which is much more equitable and makes a lot more sense and uh, basically means that we can talk about the Patreon later in the month as well and not have to worry about people getting double billed because you used to just get si billed on the day you signed up and on the first of the month, um, whereas now you just get on whatever day you signed up. So there's no been no better time uh, to become a patron of Shift F1. I, I guess now there is literally no better time at all because every time is a good time or a bad time depending on how you're thinking about it uh, massive <laughs> thanks to all of our title sponsors including our new ones uh, my wife Sharon which is not my wife Sharon it's somebody who has decided to emblazon their wife's name on our beautiful car Mama Whale Pins Kickaha of the Art at Team Blackjack Michael Maves Gordy's Army at Talking Autos Olivia Evans IronStation.dev TelemetryDeck.com David Mule Drew Stewart Baby Foot Abdullah Althani Jason Chadwick Abraham Getchell Enzo and Ayrton Octothorpe Bunny Crimes Sniggs Alex Goucher MVKB.com Circuit Demon 
Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Madden Man, and of course Jason Kelly. Thank you all so much. Uh, might have to put a limit on the number of title sponsors. This thing is getting quite long. I might do that this week. Thank you all, though. You are the best. Gene Haas would never. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Danny. And uh, let's see if we remember how to do a race recap here. This is usually what we do. We recap the race that just happened. Then we go into the news uh, and uh, and all, all the rest of it. So to kick things off, let's talk about the grid. Covered by 1.2 seconds at the end of Q1, which, yes. I don't know, bolded or boded well. Uh, and then And then things shook out a little like we had all expected. Uh, Rob, what were your impressions overall from the first qualifying of the season? Yeah, I also made a note of that, uh, like 1.128, I think was the number at least quoted, uh, like during the broadcast, maybe it was a bit more, but it, it seemed like a, it seemed like a tight, a tight grid, uh, for, for sure. It definitely gave me a mistaken impression of how the race would unfold. Mm. Uh, you know, it, you also had some odd things coming up during qualifying. Uh, one thing I was really curious about was, you know, we just didn't know what Lance Stroll's health situation was. And I will say this, during practice, it didn't look good. Uh, you know, dur- like I think the first day of practice, he was apparently like, struggling to get out of the car. Yeah, uh, which is so scary. barely just... turn as well. His hand in the in-car view, some of, he was like turning that first turn, the right-hander. Yeah, he was using exactly his hand in a weird sort of way. To... Yeah, it looked like he was palming the steering wheel, which like yeah. I've done my hand is hurt, but I'm like, this is to get around a parking lot. You know, this is not me hitting an apex at uh, 150 miles an hour. So like, but the thing that really surprised me was with a bum wrist, I just didn't think he'd be able to pass the FIA's rather stringent uh, emergency uh, extraction like, car escape. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we should reset though. They don't give though. you long to do that. Yeah, we should reset. He, he was in a cycling accident um, two weeks ago, two weeks prior to the race. Uh, and he, we actually didn't know the extent of it until he most recently posted on Instagram. He fractured both wrists. Oh, wow. His left hand and the big toe on his right foot, which you use that uh, right that's foot. Just, that's just needless. Yeah, right. What did he do? Did he, did he say how it happened? Did he fall There's off a, a cliff? There's a cycling training accident, that's all we know. Yeah. Just, like he hit a pot- pothole. Yeah, must have been going fast. Well, to the point where last week when we talked, we were assuming he wasn't there. They were, you know, they were, we were already, who was it was taking his place again? Felipe Drugovic. Drugovic was going to take his spot, yeah. I mean, and apparently the story was that I heard uh, subsequently was that Vettel actually called them to say, if if they they needed him to let him know that he'd be available. But uh, yeah. He he saw those, he saw those test results. Yeah, that's, hey, just. That was in one of the, the the pit crew shows or whatever after the fact. Um, yeah, so it was re- it was really wild to see him out there. Apparently, according to I think there was an interview with Lawrence where they said they put him in a full race test in the sim, so to to test if his you know wrist would be able to deal with ninety minutes or so of, of it, and he had passed that at least. So who knows? Maybe he was just like protecting it a bit, so he was able to deal with the race. Um, didn't prove to be that much of a factor. It seemed seemed like in the end. No, you, we'll talk about the formation lap, but Drew, I was also kind of curious, right, uh, not to sound any alarm bells about your boy, but Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg uh, showed up and brought the goods. Yeah, he and sure did. it was the tale of two different cars, and maybe it's just like, you know, it goes that way sometimes in F1, but it was kind of striking the different fortunes they, uh, the two Haas boys had during quali. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let's let's just read down the grid here, and we can we can get to those two boys. Uh, Max Verstappen on top. What do you know? Uh, behind him, his teammate Sergio Perez. Uh, then we've got the two Ferraris, Charles Leclerc. He only did one lap in Q3 uh, to save a fresh set of soft tires for the race because you only get a certain allotment uh, to last you the whole weekend. Uh, Carlos signs his teammate in fourth. Then in fifth place, not the Mercedes, the Aston Martin of Fernando Alonso uh, in fifth. And we've got the two Mercedes finally. George Russell in sixth, uh, Lewis Hamilton in seventh. And then Lance Stroll in eighth with those bum wrists. Uh, in ninth place is Esteban Ocon in the Alpine. And then Nico Hulkenberg, not bad for, for two years out of Formula One. Uh, in 11th place, Lando Norris, followed by Valtteri Bottas, Zhou Guan Yu, a double whammy of Alfa Romeo's, uh, Yuki Tsunoda in the Alpha Tauri in 14th, and Alex Albon in 15th. He had to abort uh, a lap in Q2 due to losing part of his front wing, but says he probably could have fought for Q3. Mm. Um, Logan Sargent, his teammate, in 16th place, and then Kevin Magnussen in the other Haas down in 17th. Uh, Oscar Piastri uh, in the McLaren in 18th, then Nick DeVries in the Alpha Tauri in 19th, and then Pierre Gasly down in 20th place for Alpine. And he just sort of said, like, I don't really have an explanation for that. Um, I didn't really see an explanation for Kevin Magnussen either. No. Um, and it's going to be one of those things, I think, where after a couple of races, we'll start to see where the gremlins are, whether or not it's it's a bad setup, whether or not it's hangovers from practice um it, the qualifying also doesn't really tell the story of alonso's couple of days because like alonso was top of the timing charts in i think he was second in in practice one and he was top in practice two and three and for q3 i think he was the fast sorry q1 i think he was the fastest so it really felt like the red bulls turned it on at the end you know what i mean like it, it felt like they, they were sandbagging never. until the final final lap and then um and then they put it to them. So in a way, it was kind of a surprise to see Alonso's behind the Alonso behind the Ferraris. Actually, um, maybe not so much of a surprise to see him behind um, uh, Verstappen, just knowing how solid Verstappen is both quality and the races. Um, but yeah, so I, I, in a way, it was somewhat disappointing. But it was you can see how good the car is when you see Lance Stroll also, you know, sitting comfortably in the top ten. Yeah, well, qualifying is one thing. The race is entirely another. Danny, do you want to take us through the start of the first race of the 2023 Formula One season? Yeah, right before it started, I always get like a rush of blood to the head and I want to like just tweet something outlandish. Like something's going to happen. I just got, you know, when you feel something in your bones and you're just like, ooh, you know what's going to happen? There's a bunch of rookies here. And, and they're all just going to mess it up. And there's going to be a big crash uh, uh, on this. Because like, it's a sharp, you know, it's a high deceleration, sharp right-hander. Um, and as it was, they were all great. Even Steven through uh, those early turns. Uh, the main ax- uh, action at the front was that Perez had a, a dodgy start, which basically gave up the um, position, uh, second position to Leclerc. Uh, and his fight was almost immediately with Carlos Sainz. Um, Arguably, he had a bad enough start where Sainz might have gotten past him, but Perez sort of, I think, in a way conceded second so he could keep third um, and made sure that he had a better exit outside of uh, turn one for Sainz. And then further down, back at the sort of the end of that first straight, was we get into, uh, I believe it's known as turn four, uh, this turn four, um, we had uh, an interesting piece of contact between the Aston Martins. And this move that Alonso does 
will come back again and again and again. It is like all of the action that happens with Alonso in this race, almost all of it happens at some stage, either happens at turn four or begins at turn four. And a large part of it has to do with this very wide uh, entry that he takes. He doesn't cut the corner and sort of like drive out of the apex, which some people do because there is a bit of a hill on the outside of it. He uh, settles down the car on the outside and then turns and sweeps up the hill mm-hmm. so that he can try and get a good push out um, and, you know, get, get maybe an overtaking move down into, you know, the, the, the sort of downhill little turn that happens around turn eight and turn seven. Um, what happened in this case was he got tagged by his teammate and basically wobbled the car so much that he gave up the position to Russell. Um, but if anything, it was just like, well, thank God the Astons didn't take each other out on the first lap. And also, it seemed like nothing happens to either car. Uh, yeah. Despite the fact that it was bodywork on bodywork, I think I don't. I don't. I don't think he had it, a wheel. It looked to me like front wing to wheel. So. Oh, did it? That, okay. Yeah, it did yeah. look like there was wheel contact for me. Like I right. think they got very lucky there, and it did make me wonder. You know, during the formation lap, uh, Stroll went off, and yeah. it did again. Like you know, I kept I kept wondering, are we going to see him? This looked more like. Uh, I don't feel. I, I I am not sure if the track has been like this every year. It feels like this year the dirty side versus clean side of the track thing was really pronounced. I think that was like, you know, certainly there on the start, but it did sort of seem like once you got offline and turn four, like you're coming down the inside a little bit, it could be pretty uh, dicey trying to slow the car to make the corner. And that seemed to be part of what uh, caught, caught stroll out. Uh, And I guess, you know, unbeknownst to us, you know, there's starting the race and then there's lining up for the race. Oh, yeah, you're right. We didn't learn about this until quite a number of laps later. Yeah, yes. but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, but like, you know, just, just keep in mind that, like, it, it came to light a bit later that Ocon had uh, overshot, I guess, his, his uh, like, starting his grid box. He was offset laterally. So he was too, mm. he, was, he was, yeah, too far to the right, I think, of what his pit box should have been. Uh, but he, yeah, he, and he earned. It, just, <laughs> it was the butterfly effect. It was the domino meme. Oh my god! Yeah, just the being first, oh. slightly off in the pit box to having one of the most nightmarish races I've seen in F one. Yeah, like, like it truly, really. truly cursed race. Um, yeah, but you know, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't think he he shows up in my notes. Uh, Besides that, so we may as well just go over it right now. He he got a five second penalty for that, um, and then when he pitted, the team when you have a penalty and you come in for a pit, you're supposed to wait for the duration of the penalty time before touching the car. So effectively, you serve that penalty in the pits. So it's it, I actually really like watching it because it's like everybody hovers for five seconds and they pounce on the car. Uh, the FIA ruled that a mechanic touched the car 0.4 seconds too early. Oh. So there's another five-second penalty, which is now 10 seconds because the first five-second one wasn't properly served. So again, he has to serve another penalty. And on coming into the pits, uh, the subsequent time, speeding in the pit lane by... 0.1 kilometers per hour. Wow. So there's another five seconds. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, the margins are thin, but you want to stay on the right side of them. Not the, uh, like, obviously, no, I mean, like, look, two of these things are driver error. You know, yeah. really, it's like two of these things are, are, are squarely on his shoulders. Like, one is 
Alpine botching the stop a little bit, but two of these things are just like the sort of issue that like, you know, we, we see people line up incorrectly from time to time, but it definitely not a good start for him this season. And probably, yeah, I don't know. I want to keep belaboring the point of the history between him and Gasly and kind of just the, you know, we've been curious to see how this is going to work out, but uh, he certainly like, you know, <laughs> he certainly put a lot of blood in the water uh with 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 this race so yeah he was uh you know in a race that was already kind of a tale of the divergent fortunes of alpine and aston martin uh okan like sort of wrote an entire chapter yeah uh, on his own in that story um you know my my next notes after the start at least was um well like Verstappen just runs away with it yeah like like how many laps how many laps did we get before you started to realize this race was over I feel like by lap three, Five. when they were like, yeah. he's lapping like so yeah. clear. It's crazy. Yeah, I was just like, this is this is done. Yeah. yeah. And and I was a little bit worried, actually, because the first couple of laps, it really looked like a procession. Like, it, it was like, oh, boy, we're not going to get, we're not getting much overtaking done here at all. And it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe a few, well, I guess it helps when, when DRS kicks in, but it wasn't really until like 10 laps had passed that we started to see people try it. Yeah, so lap 13, Alonso catches back up to Russell, makes a move around the outside of turn one. Russell defends, so Alonso then drag raises him down the next straight and edges ahead, but Russell fights back for the next few corners. Uh, in the end, though, Alonso ends up on top, yeah. taking fifth place. Uh, so he cool does the, he do, sorry, he does the swoop yeah, yeah. thing again. When he tries to do the overtake on turn four, he does the swoop around, and because he ends up like sort of basically driving too fast into the back of the other car he you know he, he just kind of catches himself and that allowed russell to get back in front of him again yeah it was a it was a fun little duel uh it also came on the heels of russell just sort of politely inquiring to the team whether you know he thought he had a little more pace is is lewis just managing his own pace or oh, yeah, you know true. something up yeah. and they were like lewis is lewis is, lewis is struggling but russell did not press the point to yeah. be let by and you know, probably a good decision. It's it's. This seems like it's going to be a year where Mercedes is going to need people in the tail gunner position a lot to like shore up uh, finishing order. Mm. Uh, somebody else who had a good start was Botas, going from twelfth yeah. to eighth on the opening lap. He then pitted early, and a lap seventeen is in sixth ahead of Alonso, uh, who had pitted a few laps prior. And Russell, he overtook both of them on sixteen. Yeah, so Alonso makes pretty quick work of him with DRS. Uh, but still, Botas, I think, looking pretty good. Uh, Russell also makes it past on the next lap, um, but of course, Botas does not make it easy for him. Uh, lap 16, we get to the first retirement of the race. Oscar Piastri of McLaren from 12th with an electrical issue. The team had tried to replace the steering wheel, uh, which has a lot of electronics in it, um, uh, in, in the, the pit box, but it didn't work because apparently the issue was further down in the steering column, the electrical problem. Uh, Norris also had a tough race due to oh, a man. pneumatic leak, which so is why bad. we saw the team plugging in that air hose into his car at every pit stop. Uh, he apparently had to pit every 10 laps. Uh, he did six stops. So bad. But the team just left him out there to uh, to gain data. Do you know what it was car. like? It reminds me of like if you were in a like a streetcar race and you had a slow puncture 
and you just needed to like like it was like your van comes over with the little hose thing and sticks it in the side of the car and they're like kind of looking at each other like is it is that enough now i think so and then <laughs> so it pulls it out it's like there was a very early i was thinking lads there's 23 races this year retire the car like what are you doing What's the point of this? I guess maybe data. Or... Yeah, I, I guess. But, you know, that is expensive to get this way now with the engine limits. Uh, they've got, yeah. Like uh, McLaren looked lost at sea. Like that's just the, the fundamental uh, issue here is they seem to have a real dog. They uh, they had, the, I think, the fewest laps run in testing. So maybe yeah. they're just trying to make up the, the difference here in the race. Maybe. Um, to your point, Rob, uh, by lap 26, Verstappen is 13 seconds ahead. So the actual battle is for second, with uh, Leclerc in second, having secured that place on the opening lap. Uh, Perez having pitted for the soft tire uh, while Leclerc took hards, has made up time to him, and on lap 26, dives to the inside of turn one and makes the pass look easy. Yeah, sure does. And everyone... Everyone who's not a Red Bull fan, and I do not begrudge Red Bull fans, of course, but everyone who wanted there to be some sort of, you know, maybe the Red Bull will be as good this year, uh, unfortunately was a bit let down. I think with that overtake, it was kind of like, oh boy, maybe they're even further ahead this year. Yeah. Uh, Russell, running in sixth place, comes in for hard tires on lap 32. Apparently the medium tires are trash here. I didn't see anyone on them. Mm. Um, and then exits the pits right in front of Stroll, who gets a run on him out of turn one with his warmer tires and makes a nice pass on the outside of Russell uh, with DRS for seventh place. And I just, when I saw that, it just sort of hit me. It's going to be strange to talk a lot about Lance Stroll this year. Yeah, it is. And it was it was interesting seeing an Aston Martin overtaking a mercedes and then it happened again five laps later with perhaps the battle that we were most looking oh. forwards to talking about this year yes uh, lap 37 um alonzo has closed up to his old mclaren teammate lewis hamilton uh his tires alonzo's are four laps newer not to mention the car advantage uh, which makes for, as you said, Danny, a great battle between two former champions. Alonso gets a run with DRS in the second straight and dives to the inside, Hamilton giving him just enough space. Uh, but while Alonso does get ahead, as he's turning, he loses grip for just a second, uh, which gets his car out of shape and allows Hamilton to come back and retake the place. I think in in most of the other drivers there, that is a collision. Yeah, like, it was awesome to see. And it was also Alonso trying the other way around that turn, which he doesn't mm. usually do. This time he went down the inside, like you said, and probably didn't have as much of a read on what the traction was like on the outside of that apex. Um, I can already guess, but that's kind of what it looked like. Um, and then we ended up getting maybe, probably the overtake of the race, actually. Um, oh, yeah. Move, move of the race on the next lap, I think it was. I, I think this is going to be in like you know the wrap-up videos of top 10 moves <laughs> of the season. Uh, as, as to your point, Danny, Alonso trying all kinds of cutback moves, uh, taking different lines than Hamilton, uh, but then makes an unexpected dive up the inside of turn 10. And I got to believe with the angle that that turn is, it's sharp. So, you know, if you, if you ever played like a racing video game and you try to like take the inside of a sharp turn, you're just going to hit the wall, right? Uh, on the, on the exit when you pass the apex, but so he must've just not only does he narrowly miss Hamilton as he squeezes in there, 
but he must have used every inch and you know ounce of traction. I don't know if you measure traction in ounces <laughs> to maintain control. It's just an amazing move. Yeah, it's it's really terrific. Um, uh, yeah, very cool to see. And at least it was interesting to see overtakes happening in different spots. Um, around, but mostly around that first sector as, as is to be expected in a track with two DRS straights back to back. Yeah. Uh, lap I mean, 41. Go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say, like, you know, it's um, at the moment, at least, like the Red Bull looks really dominant up front. But everything behind them looks yes. really interesting which yes. is good and like yeah that's, so I'll like take, i'll take that that's a that's gonna be a lot of meaningful uh battles for position uh happening this happening this year uh, well yeah and all eyes at this stage are like look okay we understand that the red bulls are probably going to get a one two here unless you know something happens in terms of uh you know the cars cr- crashing or failing or something and um, but you're kind of looking at leclerc then and going oh can alonso catch him because like alonso getting a podium like i think they said at the start of the race it would have been podium 99 and you're like oh that's kind of meaningful like i wonder i wonder if he'll do it and then what happened happened well red bull is still red bull and ferrari is still ferrari when it comes to bad luck as leclerc pulls over from third place with a mechanical problem just feel for them don't you like i'm i'm not a tifosi either but like it just there's nothing you know the the, shine, the silver lining was I guess you're thinking oh then Alonso has a chance of getting a podium but like it's just if you have to feel for them you have to feel for Claire you know and and signs you know and then they cut to the pit wall and it's just somebody else throwing their hands in the air going I don't know right uh, but now it is a fight for the podium between the two Spaniards Alonso in fourth and signs now in third uh, but Alonso just cannot be stopped. And on lap 45, closes up to signs at turn one, has a similar moment to when he tried to pass Hamilton, mm. wiggling right at the apex of the corner, uh, somehow avoids smashing into signs, and has another try at turn 10, which signs protects well. Yeah. Uh, but he locks up at the next corner and can't do anything about Alonso's speed on the next straight. And so Alonso sweeps around and into third place with 11 laps to go. I can count on one hand the amount of times I've seen somebody overtake between turns 10 and 11 on that track. It does not happen very often because it's hard because you, you really compromise yourself on turn 11 if you don't get a good. You need to have the overtake done halfway down that straight to, to be able to get up the hill properly. Um, so but he does. The One of the arguments right now, like certainly this is what the Red Bull uh, boys are kind of intimating, right, is once again we've got a tracing point situation where they, like, they sort of joked about the uh, – I believe they joked about like how similar the Aston is to like Red Bull's design, uh, like Aero concept. And I, I, I do kind of wonder if the ability to keep it close through that, through that sector uh, up into 10 so that you're in position to strike using that mm-hmm. like – uh, curtailed DRS, uh, you know, maybe maybe highlights a key difference between what Aston is doing and what Ferrari is. Yeah, there was a new graphic I saw, I think, during qualifying um, that was something like sector dominance or track dominance. Great graphic. And they showed, like, not uh, the different sectors, but different, like, um, micro sectors, like uh, who or what it was versus um, it was, I think it was Verstappen versus Hamilton who had the better performance in each area of the track and it was for the Red Bull all the corners and for the Mercedes all the straights oh, I thought that was fascinating that's cool yeah I've never seen it visually shown we obviously know that because it gets talked a lot about um, they have that's quite cool. they have uh, I, I can't remember 
what it was. It was sort of a comparison of a bunch of front-running drivers, but I can't remember the way they presented the info. But they've got some nice new, like, uh, infographics that they're putting up during the race, and they all seem better conceived than the AWS, like, Magic 8-Ball yeah. approach to tire wear <laughs> we saw in previous years. How like, good now is this we're driver? Four. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, Don't worry you know, about it. Machine, AWS machine says... Yeah. You don't worry, Odds don't worry of epic uh, winning in the next lap are twenty five percent, but like some of the infographics we got uh, in this in this package uh, do seem really really cool. So like, uh, you know, obviously I, I hope we get get more of that stuff uh, for for sure. Yeah, speaking of the DRS thing, did you notice just one of the other little? There was so much news this week. Like I was glued to practice. It was all the interesting bits coming out of it. Well, one of the interesting little technical innovations, let's call it, that I saw was that the to basically get around the, uh, <clears throat> I guess it's the floor height um, issue. Um, they have this cable. Did you see this? There's like a cable. So there's a minimum like distance you need to have. Um, but some of the cars are riding a bit higher than that. And so they have this, it's almost a wire that trails around the bottom of the uh, floor, like on the on the side pods, basically. That's like maybe another quarter inch lower. And that apparently satisfies the mandate for the lowest part of the car to be to the ground. <laughs> and there's like two or three teams that have this. And they reckon everyone's going to have it in the cup by the next race because it basically it lets them jack the car up slightly, which is uh, weird. Uh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to that uh, in our news story about McLaren. Uh, but just to round out the race here, some other nice moves around elsewhere in the field. Gasly, who started in last place, uh, going for a three-stopper in this mm. one. Soft, hard, hard, soft. And it's working for him. Uh, in lap 42, he's up into the points and then manages to use DRS to get around the outside of Albon at turn one for ninth place. Uh, another really nice move in this race. Yeah, and Albon's like, 10th? Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, another nice move, Sunoda, who had just yeah. pitted for soft tires, comes out of the pits right behind uh, uh, his teammate, uh, Nick DeVries, and Guan Yu Zhou, uh, Zhou Guan Yu, uh, who are fighting over 11th place. Uh, Sunoda bides his time, and while DeVries is covering uh, off, Zhou swoops past both of them in two corners. Yeah, we talked already about the DeVries-Sonoda battle. Uh, it was interesting to see Sonoda do so well. DeVries, not a happy boy with his engineer after the race, and they had to be like, they had to give him the old, we'll talk about it. Oh, I didn't when, hear this. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was instantly on the blower kind of saying, you know he's hyper-competitive, right? And I forget exactly what he said, but it was like, such and such was wrong, or blah, 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 blah. And the engineer's like, we just do this part for the fans. Just like say say the team did well and we'll talk about it later. You know, he didn't say that in so many words, but um, that was interesting. Also, Nick DeVries, an, <laughs> I think Nick DeVries is like such a weird guy. Like I, I, I like him, but he just seems like a very like interesting dude. They did an interview with like all the drivers on the YouTube channel. And what's one thing you don't know, you know, don't know about me. And Nick DeVries' answer was, I'm scared of animals. <laughs> Like all of them? <laughs> so the lady asks, like, all animal? Like, and he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm not like scared. Like some are like scarier than others, but like I don't, I don't, I'm scared of animals. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> Whoa. <Yeah. laughs> so I was like, so, so Nick true. DeFries is like slowly becoming my favorite um, weird F1 driver. Great. Yeah. Keep F1 weird. Uh, <laughs> but, but oh yeah, Verstappen. 12 seconds ahead and uh, wins this race. Yeah. 
What a great, great... Uh, yeah, Red Bull fans must be delighted. I mean, look, the car's super fast. The drivers were impeccable. Um, even Perez, who we have many times last year talked about how he did something rash on the first lap, which cost him. This time around, arguably, he had a bad start, but he had a level head and decided to win the fight 15 laps later, which he did. So I think I think they're in a you know stronger spot than ever this year. Yeah, could not be stronger. I also just, like... I, I do think we got to hand it to Stroll in this case of, yes, like clearly that car is damn good. And uh, they've advanced rapidly up the field. But at the same time, like he did look pretty uh, racy, like hamstrung by that wrist oh, yeah. issue oh, yeah. uh, at various points over the uh, over the weekend. And to have the race come out this way, not only is it like a solid race, just you know, under normal circumstances. But this is one of those, like, gutty performances uh, that, like, you know, deserves probably some some special mention. Because uh, to be able to deliver that under pretty crummy uh, circumstances is impressive. Yeah, so just to finish off the result here, Sergio Perez in second. Fernando Alonso gets his 99th podium. Danny drinks to that. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, I'm sorry, Carlos Sainz in fourth, Lewis Hamilton fifth, Lance Stroll with two broken wrists, sixth <laughs> place ahead of George Russell, Valtteri Botas, Pierre Gasly in ninth, and Alex Albon rounding out the points-paying positions. Behind them, we have Yuki Tsunoda in 11th, uh, Logan Sargent, solid rookie performance in a Williams, USA, yeah. USA. Check uh, out both those Williams, you know? not bad yeah yeah uh, james vowels new team principals got to be happy about that one uh kevin magnuson comes home in 13th place uh two spots ahead of his teammate nico hulkenberg uh nick devries is in the middle of those two in 14th place nico hulkenberg received a 15 second time penalty for multiple track limit violations did he got the Wait, was flag 15 no one... I, my note says five uh this is from f1's website so maybe Jesus. there were more Maybe there were five infractions. (laughs) He got the flag. Nobody, he got that. That flag used to only be for like Grosjean, (laughs) Maldonado and stuff. But he got the, he got the flag saying, don't do it again. And he did it again. Rough day out for Nico Hulkenberg. Great quality, bad race. Yeah. Uh, We should mention, sorry, we should mention that he did damage his front wing on the first lap. Mm. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah, which, which, which was probably the, the contributing factor. Yeah. Uh, 16th place, Jogwon Yu. 17th, Lando Norris with that um, uh, pneumatic failure. Mm. Uh, and then not classified were Esteban Ocon. They just they just retired his car. It's just, like, just too many penalties. Let's just pull this one. Um, Charles Leclerc with that engine problem and Oscar Piastri uh, with the electrical issue. How about that for Alpine? Complete reversal of fortune for their two drivers. You know, One of them yeah. the points and one of them who had such a good quality again. I feel like they're, I, it's the same as ever after one race. Some questions have been answered, and I have 20 million more questions as a result of this race. I'll tell yeah. you one thing I know for certain is uh, I'm in for just a nightmare of a season. My, I, so my parents are diehard Alonzo fans. 
Like, oh wow! They they have drunk every ounce of the Kool Aid possible about him. Like when he'd be coming out of his McLaren and be like, "I just drove the greatest race of my career." Nobody knows what I'm the feats I'm doing. My parents like just lapped that up. They were just like, "It's such a shame that Fernando he's so, he's the best driver on the grid. He's like one of the greatest F1 drivers of all time. It's such a shame that he's turning in the greatest F1 drives in the history of the sport. He's just not getting wins wins for them, and so." So like the that morning I get a message like uh so excited for the race go Fernando what a wonderful thing it would be for the sport if he won <laughs> and I'm like just fully delusional Love just it. like my parents being like man like F1 just hey, F1 how needs good this it needs that you know and so does the human spirit <laughs> the human spirit needs Fernando Alonso to win another championship uh, so that we can all realize that dreams can come true. It is. It is. It is so perfectly set up for him to be like, what do you call it? It's not quite anti-hero. It's like, it's like annoying, but but brilliant. Like master troll, or I don't know what it is. But he even said it in one of the episodes of Drive to Survive. He's like, every story like needs a bad guy. I'll be the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So, yeah, yeah. I think I I'm very excited. I think the Alonso. Everyone loves a good like comeback, right? When Shumi came back, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone really wanted him to do, to be fighting at the top, and uh, like it's it's same with um we'd all love it for um Hulkenberg as well, but there's something about Alonso who has been doing been doing this lemon dance between all the different cars for so long that it's just perfectly set up. Like I think it's going to be so fascinating this year. That's well, that's the story we have not so gotten far. a good read on like what his actual like what is he capable of doing in a in a competitive F1 car. And, and I, I've never that. seen it. You know, right, I wasn't watching right. F1 when he won his championships yeah. or was in good cars. I've only seen him like I've only heard tell of his his abilities, you know. And, and you know and him wiping the floor with his teammates. Uh well that's and, not and, always and, been true. Yeah, and what's I think very interesting as well is like, can you imagine anyone who's going to give less of a shit fighting Verstappen? He will hold the man holds 100%. no quarter. He will like he will make Max look like a baby sheep in comparison to like like Alonso is brutal. Like he will not, you know. He there's no Verstappen and Hamilton arguably have like been quite mature about those big battles we had over the those races. I don't think Alonso has that in him, especially at this part of his career. I don't think he's got time for any of that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, like he's got to get – he is not in can lay a glove on him range yet. Like right now, <laughs> like with that Red Bull, like Max has the equivalent of the like nine-foot wingspan, right? Where it's just like, uh, you know, if Alonso can get into a duel with him, we'll see some fireworks. Yeah. Big gap between first and third. Uh, in this race well we just ran down the effectively the driver standings uh because there's only been one race but let's do constructors red bull racing is on top with 43 points aston martin is in second place with 23 who's in third mercedes with 16 ferrari has 12 with that one retirement of charlotte claire uh fifth place alfa romeo with four points alpine has two williams has one in seventh place then a three-way tie with zero points for Alpha Tauri, Gene Haas, and team, and McLaren. And let's now take it then to the Nears. Danny, what's going on with Imola? Yeah, so apparently Autosport got a bit of a scoop. Um, we talked before about the sort of um, 
the 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 uh, you know tests they're going to do at qualifying, the experiments they're going to do this they're year. Always they're, messing with qualifying, Danny. They are, and this one's a funny one because it basically just means restricting the amount of tires, and I believe it's coming from the um, uh, the the mandate about uh, what what is this? Just like being good to the environment. What do we call that thing again? Greenwashing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making making this whole sport seem not ridiculous and Eco wasting goodness. power and energy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, sustainability. How about that? There, that's the word I was looking for. Sustainability. How to sustain the tires going around the tracks? How to make it so we're not using too many tires? X Y Z. Um. So uh, the only news is that Autosport have um, apparently gotten wins that Imola is going to be one of is going to be one of the races that they're doing uh, for this. Um, in case you forgot what that rule was or that experiment was, it basically means that instead of 13 tires in the weekend, they're going to reduce it down to 11 and they're also going to mandate what tires are used during what sections of qualifying. So right now, as you may have noticed, if this is your first race, uh, drivers often they uh, tend to use the softs to try and get in their best tires, but they are free to use mediums and, and <laughs> hards if they want to um, uh, during that phase. Uh, in this new uh, experiment during these races, drivers will be forced to use the hard tires in Q1, mediums in Q2, and softs in Q3, uh, unless there's rain conditions, of course, and then it all gets straight at the window. Um, uh, yeah, and then also the, the, the types of tires they have, which they are allowed to pick, is also mandated, um, or the number of them, rather. So under this experiment, drivers will have access to three sets of hards, four mediums, and four softs for the weekend. Uh, the plan is to have six sets of tires available for qualifying and five to juggle between practice and the race. Um, yeah, so apparently Emil is one of them. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, how much this is going to affect quali. Nobody really does, but I guess we'll see when we go to the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. The one thing I kind of like about this philosophically is that, like, if you if you build a car that can perform on all you know, three sets of tires well, then you should be rewarded for that. Yeah, I, I can see a scenario where lower teams that are taking a risk to get higher in quality maybe don't, you know, because we have other artificial things like there is the rule, which is this, am I, this rule got thrown out, right? The one where if you don't set a time in Q3, you get to start on whatever tires you want. That right? is now gone, yes. That is now gone, yeah. So they, they have had rules in here to basically, you know, try and create that competition um obviously this is coming from the sustainability side so it's not necessarily you know something that they're introducing to make better racing but you know we'll just have to wait and see whether it makes any difference at all actually um, yeah and i say that i say that kind of uh you know hand waving away the fact that like that just means that like haas and you know alpha Tauri and williams and stuff are all just going to be on hard tires all the time and that might right. be tough right so it's not yeah. it is i'm not saying that necessarily to be like oh and it's balanced i don't think it is i think that's why they're trying it right uh, yeah. but i am curious to see how it plays out um speaking of how it's going to play out rob some some doom and gloom here from mercedes oh boy uh i this this was such a shocking letdown that i'm like i words kind of fail so by the end of qualifying, Mercedes apparently had had internal conversations saying that this season is a write-off, that their car concept uh, is just not going to work. 
let's revisit again because this is the part that I that I cannot believe. So uh, from Autosport, uh, within minutes of the end of qualifying and even before George Russell and Lewis Hamilton sat down with the engineers, team boss Toto Wolff declared that title hopes were all but over and a new cars concept was needed. I don't think this package is going to be competitive eventually. We gave it our best shot all over the winter and now we all just need to regroup, sit down with the engineers who are totally not dogmatic about anything. <laughs> Why do you stick with this concept? Like this, so we went through a year of them talking about how the W13 uh, Mercedes, the SidePod Zero concept, was uh, fundamentally flawed and like set them off on a bad development trajectory for all of the 22 season. Why was it back? It was like the Arrested Development meme of, but it could work for us, right? Uh, Like. The only thing that I can really think of driving this decision is that the cost cap has made it really tough to throw away R&D you did not an existing concept. Like that they did make a lot of gains last year and they figured out a lot of what was going on with that design. The only thing I can think of is that they... Uh, they really did not want to have to scrap all that progress they made and start over because effectively you're just eating into development budget uh, for both car of the future. And uh, you know, it, it means that what you did for much of last year will end up being kind of a waste. But uh, yeah. So like after the race, obviously things did not go much better if Ferrari doesn't have its issue uh, and maybe if Stroll's healthier, it's possible they finish even further down the order. But they weren't really, you know, on a on a level with the Astons. They weren't anywhere near the Ferraris. And obviously, a fight with Red Bull is completely off the table. Uh, Wolf said after the race that was one of our worst days in racing. It was not good at all. We are lacking pace front, right, and center. The Aston Martins are very fast, and the Red Bull is just on a different planet. It hurts that they are so far ahead. It reminds me of our best years when we put one second on everyone else. Mm. So here is the, like, they're talking about, like, this This car can't compete for a championship. The season is going to be another lost season of what might also be, like, a waning peak for Hamilton. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, Alonzo, may, maybe it's all just, it. it's it's the car, right? Who, who knows? But another lost season seems really painful uh, for that team, and I am so floored that it went this way. Yeah. There's this little part of me. It's like, did they really come into the season with no fallback option? If the car concept came up as short as it did last year, the Autosport has a good article about why they are so quick to give up on it this year, which is basically that they did solve the issues they had. They have like whipped that uh, zero side pod concept into as good a form as it can and so the fact that it's still that far back means there's not a lot left to unlock with it whereas last year they were clearly just like they didn't they were lost with the design but that also meant there was a lot of like room for discovery now they've discovered a lot and the deficit is still there and there's no more juice uh to be squeezed but i kind of can't believe they came into the season with uh everything staked on a car that they spent or a concept that they spent a year deriding yeah, it's wild, uh, and it's yeah. it's frankly kind of bizarre to hear them not only speak so quickly about how bad it is, but just being so transparent and open about it. Yeah, it it just it feels to me like 
maybe getting it out there is therapeutic in a way. Like I'm not trying to, you know, uh, beat around the bush here. It's bad. It's, it's like, I can, it also reads slightly like a bit arrogant to me in a way as well, that it's like, in a way, I guess it's the fighting mentality, right? They want to be winning championships. So that's what they're doing. But the idea that like, if they can't win the championship, they're just going to, you know, throw, throw it out is, is a little bit like, I don't know. Like, is it, is it a way of protecting themselves against the fact that if Aston Martin trumped them this year, that they can say, ah, well, we weren't really trying. We took our ball and went home. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. There's a bit of, you know, it's it's hard to tell, of course. You just sort of um, say, we're not really contesting this championship right. anymore. So it doesn't matter if uh, Red Bull beats us like a drum because we aren't right. even, like, competing. No, I'm we with you. It's kind, of a, yeah. it's, it's kind of a shabby thing to also just be saying we're going to be fielding two cars for uh you know 20 some races this year and they'll take what points they can get but they're not in it to win it um i just it is the first this is the first time i've really kind of wondered this is the probably the first decision from like wolf honestly that i've really sort of done a double take that they would have stuck with uh something that burned them so badly last year really makes me wonder uh what went into that decision and uh yeah, it seems like there's no other concept they can bring out this year. So I guess on the 24 for them. It it just shows, like, if you've only been... I know, like, Drew, for instance, you talk about the, like, you didn't remember a time before Mercedes dominance for the first few years of this podcast, right? And, like, this is the thing. Like, once you've been watching F1 long enough, this is the thing you become very aware of, which is that the biggest team in the world can completely fall from grace. Like, it's very easy to happen. And a phoenix can rise and win you know you know a jensen button can win a championship and no one expected him to be fighting for for you know third position it, I, it's it, it's so crazy how nothing happens it's like war is what they said it's periods of extreme boredom punctuated by periods of, you have periods of no change and in periods of vast change that just happen out of nowhere um aston's obviously the story this year but what a fall from grace for Mercedes this past three years have been, and it looks like it's a higher climb for them than ever before. You yeah. know, that mountain's just getting taller. Uh, well, another team that's hoping to reverse direction is McLaren. Um, there's a little bit, I think, a light at the end of the tunnel here in this uh, Autosport article. They sort of, they detail uh, the conundrum that the porpoising regulations put them in. So last year, was the first year of these new aerodynamic regulations. A lot of teams struggled with uh, the porpoising effect, which was a result of the uh, higher um, focus on downforce. So when you get a car lower to the ground, part of it can stall uh, at a different time than other parts of it, which causes it to wobble. I think I've got that right. Um, And so the FIA was like, this is hurting our drivers. Thus, only uh, your car must be no, um, uh, or your cars must be elevated by 15 millimeters. So this would uh, cause it to the cars to be slower, um, but not buff it as much as they were going uh, along in the air. Um, so that was uh, agreed to last summer, um, but. You know the the development for the 2023 cars are kind of at that point ongoing, and so um, in September, says this article, the team decided to 
uh, take a different route with where they were currently going, but it wasn't enough to completely revamp their entire car. So effectively, they are starting this season with a compromised car, and then a greater upgrade is going to come uh, at the Baku Grand Prix uh, that will address uh, those issues that were kind of, again, set in motion by this uh, porpoising regulation. Uh, I hope that all made sense. Um, And I don't know, I'm, I'm now looking forward to Baku even more than I usually was. Yeah, there was some more advancing in signs, I remember, I think during practice they had for the first time. And, and it was funny. I think it was during practice because I remember one of the commentators saying, I'm not sure I would have said that over over the radio because the, the FAA are watching the porpoising, but they're not, or F1R, but they're not necessarily like watching everyone all the time for it. Um, obviously, there wasn't an issue during the race necessarily, but it seemed to be affecting uh, signs as Ferrari, at least during uh, the sessions prior to the race. I just I hope McLaren can bring something out that at least gets them back in the in the conversation in the hunt. Yeah. Uh, the fact that like after qualifying, Zach Brown is just saying that their tires weren't coming in until halfway through their flying laps. Like that's not going to do it, fellas. Mm. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that they can address uh, some of these issues. Uh, so this is not F1 per se. The the last thing I want to touch on that happened this racing weekend. But you know we remember Roman Grosjean. We love Roman Grosjean. The Phoenix. Uh, the Spoilers Phoenix. for uh, St. Petersburg IndyCar race. Just want to flag oh, yeah. that here. So <laughs> it was a great race and also quintessentially IndyCar. Uh, I will. Oh, so Drew, are you aware that uh, Roman is a pilot now? I am. Yes, they oh, showed. They showed a clip of him uh, flying Landing. a twin-engine um, airplane, which is, you know, better than me. I only got my single-engine land um, <laughs> into into that airport uh, where, the, where the race happens. It's pretty spectacular, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the, and smooth the... landing. The guy greased it. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, so he is he is now pilot. He's taking that uh, Nicky Loud at the end of Rush. Uh, pay. Maybe he watched watched Rush and was like, you know, piloting. Yes, it's I like, should. Hey, you know what? You know what? F one drivers do after they're in horrific burn crashes, they, uh, right? He's yeah. like, who do I look up to? It'll Nikki. be it'll be like uh, it'll do... be better than therapy. Exactly, uh, learning good. to learning to pilot. <laughs> so. The thing about St. Petersburg is it's got its main straight is this like, yeah, it's a huge airport runway. And then it's pretty tight, twisting roads and taxiways outside of Mm. uh, that straight. And so it was a classic IndyCar type race of um, when they could get a good race going. It was awesome. But they got uh, full course cautions just constantly, (laughs) Uh, especially because I guess their tire compound this year is uh, flaking off in great big pebbles. Oh, no, And really? so, like, the, the commentators were saying, like, you know, sometimes marbles is a metaphor that we're using to describe what's happening off the racing line. Not this year. If you go off the racing line, it is like you are driving on a bed of rather large impacted rubber spheres. Wow. And so, like, guys would go to make passes and would just go sailing straight into the tire barriers. Uh, so it was... Some wild accidents, like two times, I think cars got like sent airborne by strikes from behind. Uh, just like crazy stuff happening uh, right and left. But Roman uh, put it on the pole at the uh, dur- during quali and was driving an incredible race. Like I would say Verstappen, like at yeah. the start of this race, it was it's like this it. thing. This thing looks done. 
And uh, the only person he needed to dump behind him was Colton Herta, which is an Andretti teammate. Um, <laughs> and then, so Herta didn't let off. He never does. And he kept pushing it. And, and here's the thing. Like, I feel like Andretti, Andretti had a horrible weekend. I think out of four cars, they ended up like yeah. three being write-offs by the, by the end of the, the race. It was not the only but, Andretti on Andretti crash in that race either, right? No. Um, but the thing, so the, the common offer here is that Colton Herta's strategist is his dad. And so, by the way, people should look up, uh, was it, was an IndyCar racer in the nineties himself. And I don't know about you guys. There's something about race car drivers with glasses that I feel like is so much more hardcore. <laughs> it's like a big guy named tiny or something. Anyway. Sorry, he wears it's, he wears glasses, glasses while he's driving. Is it? Yes. So like like the guy in um, who's the gentleman in Fastbender's Le, yeah. Le Mans series? Yeah, oh, he does. Uh, see exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, Richie. <laughs> Richie. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. I'll just say this: is is there have been weird like miscommunications between uh, Colton and his pit wall, i.e., his dad, <laughs> last year that cost them some stuff. This year, there's this really weird message where he's like, so do we care much about the pace on these tires? Do we need to save them at all? Or, you know, what are we doing here? And his dad's like, well, yeah, you know, if we don't save them, well, it was really weird conversational, mm. like, I don't know, just kind of like vibes-based race strategy. <laughs> and what do you know? Uh, Colton's tires went off and he just like plummeted through the field oh, and wow. ended up. In the mid pack, where like on restarts, he got caught up in some trash uh, and got taken out. I think by Will Power, mm-hmm. though he had a hand in that. So that's one Andretti car that just ends up like kind of own going on tire strategy. But they do the same thing with uh, with Grosjean. He had a a pretty stable like seven second lead uh, for a good portion of this race. Remember, this is a functionally spec series. So pulling out a seven-second lead means that, you know, on setup and pace, you've you you've killed it. And they just decided to keep him out. And they were, like, uh, God, I think it was, like, Scott McLaughlin was taking a half second out of him a lap. Mm. And they just would not bring him in. They were, like, hell-bent on getting him, you know, his window was at 30. They kind of kept him out there till lap, like, 33 for no good reason. He cut his lead in half and never fully regained it. Uh, but he did. He had fully. He was in a position to 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 get the lead late in the race, and he just needed. It worked out well. He is coming around. His tires up to temperature. McLaughlin's coming out of the pits. He goes to pass McLaughlin, and uh, you know, McLaughlin on cold tires he does not want to yield and tries to force Grosjean out wide uh in a portion of the track that narrows really fast heading mm-hmm. into uh a tire barrier and Grosjean having been balked at this once uh and having a huge head of steam like there was no there was no defending this move he sent it they touched and they both yeah took each other out <laughs> and uh so like the phoenix had this thing twice really he had this thing like in his hand and uh, first race strategy, and then an overzealous defense from McLaughlin uh, kind of cost him the race. Now, here's the thing. Uh, 
like this great this great footage of uh, Grosjean melting down after this, like screaming into the tire barrier, uh, is 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 a very iconic shot. But in the interview, you know, he's doing the I don't know what that was. It's it's not racing, like very high dudgeon, righteous indignation stuff. And I'm like, man, Roman, like we know who you are. Like if the shoot, we know you've done that move on the other side. We know you've been McLaughlin. Uh, you know, a, a bunch of times in your career. And the difference between, you know, him and McLaughlin is McLaughlin did seem gutted. Uh, he was like yeah. horribly apologetic. He's like, that's not how I race. I shouldn't have done it. I feel terrible that I did that to Roma. Uh, and they did, you know, they, they hugged it out after the race. Uh, but it was awesome. And it was an awesome race, despite, I would say, there's probably 45 minutes of like race time <laughs> that is watching yellow stuff. flags. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it was, y'all watched it. It was. I did, yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll just point out that I think IndyCar still does this. They do a um, like a forty-minute highlight <laughs> of the yeah. race yes. on their YouTube channel um, of every race. So Which we'll that capture is about a... all the racing in this one, probably. Yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah. If, if you want to go back and watch, that's a, that's a good way to do it. I'll, I'll try. I'll see what I can find and to link in the show notes. But yeah, awesome. it was a uh, it was it was a really exciting race. Like it, you know, Indy is huge field, really competitive. Um, I'm gonna watch that. I, it's gonna kill me that we gotta wait like a month before them to, for them to race again. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I watched some clips here and there, but I didn't watch the the full forty. I forgot they did that big that big helpful of uh, uh, highlights. So I'm gonna check that out. Uh, also, fun fact: Colton Herta's dad, Brian Herta, was the uh, the car that Zanardi passed uh, at Laguna Seca uh, in the pass in 1996. Mm. Legendary. There you go. Uh, I will link that in the show notes as well. Um, That's like you're right. the guy who getting gets dunked on in the poster, right? Where it's <laughs> yeah. just like, you were also there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, also getting dunked on me in our fantasy league. Uh, my team, oh my, my crack is your crack, is oh, currently 1,941st at the 179 points. Who are your picks? Who were you? Who were you trotting out there? Uh, let's see. Can I see oh. my? Where's my team here? Okay, I gotta log, <clears throat> I gotta log in and find mine as well. Uh, I've got McC- uh, um, Verstappen. He's my my turbo driver. What yeah. Do you know? uh, Leclerc, Russell, mm. Alonso, Ocon, and then the teams Aston Martin and Alfa Romeo. Okay. Can, can I, your not Ocon didn't work yeah. out. That's not bad, though. Can I tell you mine? Sure. Okay, my chair, my my team, Deck Chair Winks, has uh, Alonso, who I didn't think I'd picked as my turbo driver. I thought I'd picked Max, but apparently I did pick Alonso. Um, Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, Pierre Gasly, and... Nico Hulkenberg, which seemed like it had really worked out during qualifying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then went very, very bad. And my two teams are Red Bull and Aston Martin. So might be All something right. there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, our overall ra- rankings in our Fantasy League, which, by the way, you can join using the link in the show notes, um, are the same for the season and the, the one race, because we've only had one. Um, we have a four-way tie for second place. Podium's getting pretty crowded. Uh, so in second place with a score of 373, we have El Pialonzo Gnomit. <laughs> what are you guys making me say? Haas Avocados. Why have go. we not seen that before? Yeah, that uh, seems obvious. Music City Machine Guns. 
And in first place, Ahsoka Toto. Ahsoka Toto. Okay. So what you got to do to really loosen them up. You got to soak them. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, squeeze them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh-oh. Tano is the name of the of Anakin's Padawan in the Clone Wars. Wow. I just couldn't. Whoa. I was thinking of uh, Asuka from um it sounded Ava? Japanese to me, or something. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, how yeah, I was I hearing. Did. So I didn't I didn't hook it up till just now uh, with uh, with Clone Wars. Cool, fantastic. <laughs> so it's I was I was worried that secretly you were being baited. Drew. Me too. <laughs> this is just yeah. wholesome Star Wars fandom. Great. Uh, if you want to send in your favorite Star Wars character, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. We usually read the emails on the pre-race shows, so look for that next week. Uh, you can also hit us up. On the socials, we're on Mastodon, Twitter, and YouTube. Follow the links in the show notes for more. Uh, and that's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing now, Danny? This goes out to everyone in the hotel rooms around me. Let's race around the world! <laughs> the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at the Phoenix Raceway in Avondale, Arizona for the United Rentals 200. <laughs> Uh, the Repco Supercar Series is at the Newcastle Street Circuit in Newcastle, East New South Wales. East Excuse me? New South Wales. Okay. Uh, in Australia for the thrifty Newcastle 500. Mm. Uh, and we got NASCAR. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. We're, We're dueling in the desert. I love it. Which desert? There's so many. The, is it a food desert? The, well, probably. It's just a subway and a Quiznos and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it's a Second Street CBS office <laughs> at uh, Phoenix Raceway for the United Rentals Work United 500. United. I didn't know you could rent an airplane, but there you go. Thrifty in New South Wales and United. They got it all. Hmm. Uh, and that's all the racing happening this weekend. <gasps> I have the book. It's here. Skip pad pad for twenty seconds. I oh wow! You brought your book. I did. To, I, I remembered. <laughs> to the hotel room, Denny is now frantically uh, reaching into his bag, uh, retrieving the red bound. If book. you didn't have the book, I would just encourage you to make something. Up. Make some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> it's written in a prose that I don't think I'd be able to like uh, uh, intimidate or in- intimidate. This um, is the year in- Burt Reynolds had his first F1 test. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, this will be uh, March 8th. So uh, on March 8th, after years of Williams domination, the F1 circus turned up at Melbourne for the opening round of the 1998 World Championship to find the team from Grove was no longer top dog. The McLaren Mercedes cars locked out a front row with Mika Hakkinen just ahead of David Coulthard. The race run on this day, sorry, the race run on this day was to prove controversial when Hakkinen came into the pits on lap 36 thinking he had been called in by the team. They waved him on, but he had lost the lead to Coulthard who moved on and moved over his teammate just before the end to give the Finnish driver the win. Oh, sorry, moved over just before the end to give the Finnish driver the win. Yes, I remember that one. Um, the team was heavily criticized, and there was talk of a pre-race agreement by the two drivers, but it was later relieved someone had hacked into Hakkinen's radio and told him to pit. Whoa! What? What? <laughs> it's not wild. Sorry, what year was that? 
This was oh sugar. What was it? Nineteen ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. That makes sense. That's some. That's a Mission Impossible era hacking, isn't it? I'm also like nineteen ninety-eight. Like I guess people hadn't really become totally jaded and cynical about team team orders by then. Because <laughs> yeah. I do feel just a few years after that, you have people just moving their guys around like chess pieces. <laughs> and it's just like, yep, that's that's what it takes. Imagine just getting there, getting like a ham radio and sitting in the crowd going like. Pass, hey Mika, hey Mika, pass, pass, come in the pass. It's totally your engineer. It's your engineer. It's just coming. Your your tires are fucked. Pass, just pass. <laughs> it's amazing. Could pretty... you imagine doing that and then watching him go in the pits? You'd be like, oh my god. <gasps> well, this and is also almost like... as good as the guy who said, what was it? He told Eddie Irvine he'd snipe the tires of uh, <laughs> uh, the other car. One. Do you remember? Oh, whatever. Uh, yeah, and also like I I do know. Like compared to the the electronic sophistication back then was so crude to what it is now. I do wonder, like, how granular the radio frequencies they're using back in this era. Like, was it the sort of thing where you had yourself like a pretty decent prosumer like radio handset? Yeah, you could just like sit there slowly <laughs> dialing in the team. Only the military had encryption at that point or whatever. Yes. Right? So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, most. I mean, it couldn't have been that. You know. It couldn't have been digital. It was 1998. You know, I never sure heard about, like, and I. Th- you would think, maybe that came to light much later. I it never heard have. anything about there being a suspicion that, like, someone slipped him a bogus radio instruction. Yeah. It's amazing. Can anyway, you I gotta, imagine if that happened today? It would be fact like. Check the book. Hey, maybe I just days. made that up. You know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Final thoughts on the first race of the season, Danny? Uh, I'm just bummed that Jeddah's next. That's that's the thing that I'm like, ugh, we got to wait a week and then it's Jeddah, really? Um, yeah, I don't know. I have loads of questions, uh, loads more questions. Super excited about the fight that's happening uh, under first. Um yeah, Red Bull look like this. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? You can never tell. A couple of races down the road, maybe they they won't be that way. But I don't think we've seen Red Bull dominate a race quite like that even last year. So at least towards the end they had when people are kind of thrown in the towel. But um, looks like a great year for Red Bull fans and a great year for neutrals looking at the fight in the middle. All right. And at the top. Yeah. Final thoughts, Rob? Yeah, we have our biggest Formula 1.5 field uh, in history. <laughs> Formula 1.5 is thriving. Right. Uh, its crops are watered, and uh, I guess the thing I'm really looking forward to is, look, Stroll and Alonso got into it a bit last year. We saw some like dubious but edgy driving from Stroll like last year, both with Alonso and with Vettel. I think one of the funniest subplots that could develop over the course of this year is like once he's all healed up, maybe the, there's not as much daylight between them as there initially appeared. And Aston Martin season just turns into a uh, like dog shit Prost Senna situation <laughs> right. uh, as they as they fight tooth and nail. That's my that's that, that's my wish for the season because I think it'll be very entertaining. All right. Well, I already did the outro because I haven't done this in a while. So have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow. Yeah.